I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 429. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week's song has been requested by more than one listener, and it's actually come up in a variety of ways over the past few weeks, enough that I decided to go ahead and use it to inspire us to explore scripture for ourselves. Jaira by Elevation Worship and Maverick City points with a neon arrow to a very specific area of scripture in my mind, and I can't wait to explore it together. But first, let's listen. You are Jaira, you are Before I dive into scripture, I want to acknowledge that for some of you, some of the lyrics of this song may be controversial. And then there's others of you who are saying, controversial, what? I love this song. So there there are lyrics in many of the songs that I use as inspiration that I either wish weren't in the song or were worded a little differently. I don't always discuss these feelings on the podcast for several reasons. First of all, This podcast is not a commentary of the theology of the lyrics. (laughs) Music is art, and it's not always going to reflect scripture in a very straightforward way. So I take this opportunity again to implore you to not make your music your scripture, and by doing that, you'll guard yourself. However, I do urge you to be discerning in your music. If you wonder about a lyric, line it up against scripture to make sure you're not developing a belief based on art rather than the holy word of God. Another reason I don't always highlight controversial lyrics is because my goal is to inspire you to discover and meditate on God's word. I use the song as a tool just to launch us into scripture, and then I harness that same tool to remind us of what we've studied. So I don't need to pick a song apart line by line. But I have a friend whose ministry is to do just that. And his name is Vince Wright, and you can find his work over at thebereantest.com. I have interviewed him on Friday with Friends over on my YouTube channel, Michelle Nizat TV, if you want to check that out. But I bring this up because Vince did a wonderful line-by-line scriptural review of this song that I highly recommend. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes. You can find those at michellenizat.com forward slash 429. But when you read Vince's review, 
be sure to read the comments, especially the comment string between Vince and another brother in Christ, Emmanuel. Emmanuel has some critiques of the way that Vince reviewed the song, and he shared them in a kind way. Vince then graciously received the critique and even made some adjustments with his newfound perspective. They one anothered each other well. What do I mean by that? Well, there are many instructions in scripture indicating how, as believers, we are to treat one another. For example, Ephesians 4 says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then later in in Ephesians 4, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. I saw all of that in the exchange between these two men who do not personally know each other, but are linked as members of the same body of Christ. And not only will you get a better understanding of any concerns that you may have about this song from the review and the comments, but it is worth the read just to see the love of Christ while sharing differing perspectives in action. So rare. And I'm proud to call both men brothers in Christ, even though I'm only personally friends with one of them. All right, so let's get on to scripture. Now, one of the questions that came to me and that was led to me choosing this song was actually mentioned in the comments of Vince's post as well. So it just reinforced to me that that um, my friend had a question, another person had an, had the same question, and I'm sure that that means that someone listening today had the same question. The question was really more of a discovery on the part of my friend. She didn't know what Jira meant and was delighted to discover that it is a reference to a name of God, Jehovah Jireh. So if that's you too today, if you didn't realize that Jireh was a name of God, I can't wait to introduce you to this name of God and where it is mentioned in scripture. So Jehovah Jireh is the King James Version translation of the Hebrew name Yahweh Yireh and means the Lord will provide. However, our song alludes to another name for God because the lyrics say also, you are enough, which reflects again, another name of God, El Shaddai, all sufficient one. So the English word sufficient means enough to meet the needs of a situation or a proposed end. And our song sings this truth about God. He is enough, more than enough. He is truly all sufficient. I want to address this name for God first because it is introduced in God's word first. And the story where we meet God is El Shaddai, all sufficient one. Some translators translate it as God Almighty. This story is a precursor to the story where we meet him as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So God reveals his name, El Shaddai, to Abram in Genesis chapter 17. Let's read a couple verses together. It says, In verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, it's going to be crucial that you take the bite of reading in context this week. If you don't, you could miss something. Now, BITE is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. My bites are just exercises that I use to keep my time in God's word varied and effective. Reading in context is my favorite. So to truly get the complete context of this account, I feel like you're going to have to back up to the beginning of Abram's story. And we first meet Abram in Genesis chapter 11. So while I normally ask you to read at least the chapter before, the chapter and the chapter after to go ahead and take in the context, it would be best to back up to the beginning of Abram's story in scripture. As you are reading the text this week, 
take the bite of remembering the people described in the Bible were real. It will be worth your time to see if you can either relate, if you can empathize or imagine, sympathize with their situation. For example, in Genesis 11, we meet Abram and discover that his father moved he and his family from their hometown in Ur to head to Canaan, but they stopped off in Haran and settled there. And then in Genesis 12, God calls Abram to move again, only this time on his own with just his family and his orphan nephew, because by this point, his father has died. So these are two really big moves, and I wasn't really sure where these cities were on the map, so I used the bite of consulting a map. This is really helpful in your effort to remember that the people were real. In just a few verses, we see a family moving twice, and these are cross-country moves. Have you ever moved across the country or maybe even to a new country? Uh, imagine doing that on foot or with animals and servants and an elderly father and an orphan nephew. What kinds of conversations might they have had on this journey? What kinds of obstacles did they have to overcome both internally and externally? In taking the bite of remembering the people described in the Bible were real You take the bite of using your imagination. Take another bite of slowing down so that you can do that. Don't skip over the spaces in between the verses. What do I mean by that? Well, slow down and really imagine how this journey formed and informed the people that we are learning about. Again, there's not a lot of description as to how long the journey was or exactly the route and all of those things, but you can imagine that there was a lot of life lived between those verses and between those cities. Now, cross-country moves often bring you into shockingly different cultures. (laughs) I myself moved from Idaho to Louisiana, and I am Cajun by heritage, but that did not mean that I didn't have to make adjustments. Um, You know, as culture in Idaho is is vastly different than the culture here in Acadiana, which is a very Cajun region of South Louisiana. Now, I imagine there was similar conversation around the dinner table with Abram and Sarai and Lot regarding names. You know, there were a lot more Smiths and Davises in Idaho and not so many Boudreaux and Thibodeaux. <laughs> okay. I'm sure they discussed regional colloquialisms, you know, that differed from there. So, for example, in Idaho, I put the dishes away. In Louisiana, we save them. So again, these are the kinds of things I'm talking about when you want to imagine uh, conversations and, and, and the journey. Remember that they're real. It's in this backdrop that you will read the accounts of Abram, Sarai, Lot, and, and God. Because God is speaking and leading and revealing himself in new ways in every chapter. So by using these bites, I know that you're going to experience something amazing as you delve into these accounts. But I want to go ahead and bring you up to speed as to where we are in chapter 17. I do not want this to mean that you don't go back and read chapters 11 through 17. But uh, this is where we see God reveal his sufficiency and might through a new name. So let's bring you up to speed. Let me recap. First of all, God promises Abram and Sarai a child and a multitude of descendants. And this happens when he's 75 years old. They wait 10 years before taking things into their own hands. And Sarai gives her maid Hagar to Abram with the hopes of bearing a child through her. And then once Hagar does give birth to Ishmael, it causes problems between Hagar and Sarai. And Hagar runs away. And then God reveals himself to Hagar as Elroy, the God who sees. 
Don't miss this part of the account. Elroy is not mentioned in our song, and we're not going to talk about it today, but it's a good one. All right, so as we just read, Abram is now 99 years old, and El Shaddai, Almighty God, All-Sufficient One, is promising to multiply Abraham greatly, but it's asking him to walk before him and be blameless. So let's keep reading in verse 3. At this, Abram fell down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Now, what can we pick up from what we've read so far? First of all, God reveals his all-sufficiency, his enoughness to Abram and Sarai after they tried to force fulfillment of his promise on their own terms. And what was Abram's response? Falling face down on the ground. What does that say to you? I see it as Abram's recognition of his own insufficiency. You know, in a world that wants to tell you that you are enough, please remember, God's all-sufficiency is a characteristic that belongs to him, but not to us. We are frail and weak. We fail and sin. We take things into our own hands, attempting to force God's hand. But God, El Shaddai steps into our not-enoughness with his all-sufficiency. It's not our letting him down that we should be worried about. It's our lifting ourselves up that gets us into trouble. And like Abram, I want to get low in light of God's all-sufficiency. Don't miss that God reveals another aspect of his character through through his name, El Shaddai. But he also gives Abram a new name. Abram goes from exalted father to Abraham, father of many chew on that for a bit. Now, I can't chew on it with you because I want to get to Yahweh Yaira, but this account um, will blow your mind as we get to, to Genesis chapter 22. There's a, there's a lot that happens in between 17 and 22. Um, and I really uh, hope you read it for yourself. But at this point, God has given Abraham and Sarah a son, Isaac, the promised son. And theologians believe that um, by Genesis 22, that Isaac is now a young man as old as 18 or 20. Uh, when this happens, listen to this verse one, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes. He replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes. Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Read the entire account for yourself, but suffice it to say, Abraham, obeyed. And and by the way, if you get stuck on this, take your son, your only son, and you're thinking, I thought he had another son, Ishmael. But at this point in the story, Ishmael's been kind of disowned and sent away. And so in the eyes and the vernacular of the day, Isaac would have been his only son. All right. So um, let's pick up in verse six. Uh, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, he said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. 
It's a compelling account. You know, Abraham ends up tying Isaac up. It was about to kill him when an angel stops him. And then let's read, picking up in verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I find that so interesting that the people of that day used it as a proverb, reminding them of God's characteristic as provider. And today we do the same thing. We use it in our lyrics. So when you sing of the Lord as Jireh, what are you wanting him to provide? It's just, it's a personal question. What, what are you wanting him to provide? Now compare that with Abraham's revelation of God's provision. Which version sticks with you? I'm not trying to minimize your needs. I'm just asking you to sing this song in light of scripture. I'm asking you to view Jehovah Jireh in light of his provision in this moment in scripture when this name of his is revealed to us. Because God did provide a substitute sacrifice. And don't miss that this account is in anticipation of God later providing his own son, Jesus Christ, as a substitutionary sacrifice for us, for our sin. And if he never provided anything else for us again, that is enough. So what's next? Well, read Genesis chapters 11 through 22. Remember, the people depicted on the pages of scripture were real. Slow down. Let your imagination help you picture the scene and maybe even some of the scenes that likely happened between the scenes that God inspired to record. Meditate on the two names of God highlighted in our song, El Shaddai, All Sufficient One, Enough, and Jehovah Jireh, The Lord Provides. Get low as you lift God up. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or Facebook. My public page is Michelle L. Nizat, and we can talk more about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And I would be honored if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website, michellekneezat.com, that I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes and all of the scriptures I use and then links to resources that I use in my own personal study. I have a whole bunch this week, things that I referenced just in mental preparation that maybe didn't make it into the podcast by mention. All right. My featured free resource for new email subscribers this week is an archive of my interactive worksheets that I've created for various podcasts over the years. You can find them all in one place in the archive I've created. You gain exclusive access to that archive when you subscribe to my email list at michellekneezat.com. With that in mind, I want to thank some new subscribers who subscribed recently, like Donna from Tennessee, Leanne from Pennsylvania, Karen from New Mexico, Colin from Maryland, and Jennifer from Texas. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website through Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, you can do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring Godsend by Riley Clemens to dive into scripture. 
If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 429. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.